Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 44. I am, as always, present Kyle Gold. I am absent Cam Hirosaki. That's right, I'm not here. But you're remarkably present for being absent. Yes. Which we appreciate. I'm pseudo-present. Ooh. I'm pseudo-absent. No, wait, I'm not. No, you're not. Not at all. <laughs> um, but uh, we're pleased to be here with you for another week. We have some interesting letters, and uh, I don't have a lot of news. I finally posted that extra out-of-position story. Uh, posted one copy of it to my new website to see how the reading experience there would be. And, it's very uh, pretty. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate the work of Kamui and Foosball, who both contributed quite a bit to getting it up and running. And uh, it, I think it looks much better than the old site did, which was basically my broken HTML and Times New Roman font. So there you go. And uh, that's pretty much all I've been working on. I've been working on a couple other uh, like like you, I kind of let one of my secret projects go for about eight months, and I'm sort of picking it back up now. I uh, what have I been doing? I wrote a first draft of a short story, which I sent you, which I saw. You're the only you're the only one who's read that so far. Wow, I feel privileged. And I uh, I've been giving my brain some time to rest after reading that one thing that you gave me to read before I read it again. Mm, all right. Then I can tell you more about what I think. Anyway, we got um, we got a bunch of letters, and we're going to get started and get through them. And today, most of what we're going to be talking about is, uh, a lot of this is kind of more personal stuff as it relates to writing and us and people's relationships to writing and the fandom. So it should be an interesting uh, half hour or so. Um, the first one comes from Eli Lapso, and he writes, Dear Kyle and KM, uh, and I I redacted some of his letter because he wrote kind of a long letter and uh, not all of it was pertinent to his question. Um, I really want to try and write a book, something that can become more than a manuscript sitting in my hard drive, but I'm struggling with a lot of it. First, I'm trying to decide between two topics, and each one would be enjoyable for me to write, but I'm worried that no one would like them. Secondly, if I went with one of the ideas, I'm afraid of some backlash I may get from a few of my friends and co-workers that would be rather hostile toward the subject matter. You can probably guess what sort of subject matter I'm speaking of without my needing to tell you. So I was wondering if you could give me some advice on what to do. Anything you can tell me would help out a ton. Maybe I could take up a pen name for my furry writing? Something other than my current name of Eli Lapso, since that is more or less just a character I throw around to illustrate me in a broad sense. I really want to create a character that I think embodies me in a more personal sense. As for that last point, uh, I mean, coming up with a pen name is certainly doable. I guarantee you that my birth certificate doesn't say Cam Hirasaki. Yeah, and likewise, and identical for me. Um, however, I know part of the problem with coming up with a pen name is if you do have a lot of friends and a sort of close circle, then it's it's kind of hard to leverage those friendships in saying, hey, I think you might like 
to take a look at this, but um, I'm writing it under a different name, and then the question is, how much do you want to keep that secret, and where do you want to keep it secret from? And so it it gets a little tough to, to figure it out. I will confess to at one point, very, very at the like the earliest point of my writing career, after I had written my first like adult furry story, I sent it to one of my friends as not me and be like, check out this weird story I found. Isn't this weird and stupid and gross? <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess I was trying to d- dissuade myself from continuing. Did your friend like it? They they did. They were like, actually, like I can kind of see that being a little hot. And I was just like, oh. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I guess I'm not a freak. Which I now know that I am, but right. not for that. But you have to own it. You're going to make it yourself. You're going to take it back. Exactly. We're taking it back. Um, yeah, I think if you want a, a name to sort of write that kind of stuff under, you know, I totally support that. I think we've talked about the topic of pen names on this podcast in the past. Um, it's it's something you really have to decide how comfortable you are having various work associated with whatever name you choose. And it is a little bit more work to create an alias, but if you feel in your case it might be worth it, then, you know, it's it's worth doing. Yeah. And in this case, you're talking about, like, friends and coworkers. Unless, like, your friends and coworkers know that you go by the name Eli Lapso online, you're probably pretty safe with that. But, again, like you're saying, it's up to you on how you want to present yourself. Right. As for um, trying to decide between two topics, and they sound like both things that you want to write, but you're worried that other people won't like them, um, just work on them both for a while. Don't worry about who's going to like it or who's not going to like it. It's If you're passionate about it, you should go ahead and pursue it. And eventually you may find that one of them takes over the other one, and you start kind of getting tired of writing one of them and you really want to focus on the other one and then just follow that yeah i mean you, people talk about the muse and it's kind of hard to make it do what you want it to do so i mean go with what your brain is clamoring to do i guess is the best way i can phrase it yeah because the thing is if you're passionate about it and you're enjoying working on it and you want to work on it that's going to make it a whole lot easier to write a story that other people are going to want to read. Um, so, um, but I think that was a good, good question, good discussion, and uh, I think we can move on. Uh, we're going to read the next two letters and kind of answer them together because their questions are sort of related. Okay. So this first one comes from, I don't know if it's Playa Roy or Playa Roy, either like the Spanish word for beach or like some sort of gangster culture thing. I honestly don't know which it is. Wow, you know, I think it shows how far out of gangster culture I am that I didn't even think of Playa Roy. I just thought Playa Roy and I thought, oh, Playa del Roy, that's really cool. He named named himself after a beach. (laughs) (laughs) He's maybe the son of a beach. Yo, man, don't be a hater. (laughs) And that's spelled H-A-T-A-H, in case you were wondering. Right. And, uh, well, we're not going to be play a haters, so. We will not be. But he writes, especially, he starts with, he says some very nice things about us. 
Uh, he, he, he gives us some compliments. And then he says, Now, I am not a writer, artist, or have much of anything really to contribute to FA, for that matter, due to work schedules. But it's something I go to every day, and it makes every day of my life struggles feel worth it. Not necessarily because of the porn, but because of the expressions and emotions put into every piece of work. I feel like I'm one of the strangest people I know, living as a full-time expert technician, working for Redacted, and hiding the fact of being a gay furry art enthusiast. There's nobody I know on a personal level that is into furry, so it's a little hard trying to cope with being in the fandom and did not be able to speak a word to anyone just because it's such a hard topic to start and getting an understanding of. So the question I have for you guys is simply, how did you get into the furry fandom? And then he says, by the way, one reason I love Out of Position and have 100% respect for you, you meaning you, Kyle, was because of this oh, quote. I think it's both of us. Oh, you wrote this. Which yeah. is, at the end of the day, we want to go home and relax with someone who doesn't need us to be anyone other than who we are. Which is from page 70 of your printed copy. Um, Hooray, he has a printed copy. <laughs> oh, oh, ouch. <laughs> Paragraph. Damn. I, I, I only say that because of uh, some various electronic copies that have been brought to our attention recently. Yes. It says, the paragraph of this quote cannot be any more true and makes me happy for who I have. Gay or straight, we just want to be ourselves. There is not a doubt in my mind that I know you guys are happy and love what you do, and hopefully there are many more podcasts to come. We do love what we do. We wouldn't sit here and yammer into microphones once a week if we didn't enjoy it, and we wouldn't sit and write huge novels and reams of short stories and whatnot if we didn't enjoy it. Yeah, like no one's paying me to do this. What about uh -oh. the podcast? Uh, and then the second letter. Uh, Dear Mr. Gold and Mr. Hirosaki, I wish to thank you both for allowing myself and many others to catch a glimpse of your inner workings, to be interpreted as you will, and thought processes. I do have to say that I'm a newcomer to the fandom, having been involved for about three weeks now, which have been wonderful so far. Although I'm loath to admit it, I was initially drawn to the art, and upon stumbling upon some of Mr. Gold's writing by accident, found myself pleasantly surprised by the stories I read. I'm ashamed to think that I had never thought anthropomorphic short stories and novels could be quite as delightful as they are, hot fur on fur action included. Having said that, I wish to ask you both if there is some particular piece of furry literature you recommend I read, along with your thoughts on how far the fandom has come since you were introduced to it. I was also wondering what you consider your favorite experiences associated with the fandom and what aspect of it warms your heart and makes you proud to be involved. Sincerely yours, a probably insane person who spent his entire weekend listening to all your podcasts, <laughs> K. Richard, or Richard, or Richard. Maybe it's Keith Richard. He's finally getting wow. into furry after all the drugs. <laughs> I have a hard time believing that, that Keith Richard could type this well. Uh, you're, you're probably right. It's probably not him. <laughs> Um, so one of the reasons I, I was pulling the letters, one of the reasons I put these two together is I thought it was an interesting, um, comparison between the one person who says, I feel like a freak because I don't know anyone else who's into this. And the person who confesses, I'm ashamed to think that I'd never thought anthropomorphic short stories and novels could be as delightful as they are. And they also sort of are getting us to talk about the fandom. And I think for me personally, our thoughts on how far the fandom has come since we were introduced to it, that's like a whole show. That's like a two-part show, I think. Um, you, you can buy books now that the fandom wrote. Yes. That's 
that's huge. That was, uh, I mean, there there were fandom comic books back in the day. There were appas, but um, yeah. But I think it's worth talking a little bit about the fandom, kind of how we got into it, and you know what our what our what we like about it. So why don't you tell us how you got into it? I found the fandom by accident. I actually. Um have a bit of a an interest and something of a background in biology. And honestly, I wasn't looking for furry stuff. I just found it by accident while looking up stuff on animals. And I would keep coming across like these different sites that would have like these like pictures of these characters. And this was back in the days of web rings. And so <laughs> which I reminded I like, you of earlier today. You did, which is funny because like it, this story would have been the same either way, and and web portals, and I would just go like, huh, okay, well this is like this. What else is like this? And I was like, oh, this is strange. I keep coming back to this though, and it was one of those things where I lurked for a while before I allowed myself to contribute actively, but. uh once I did, it was like throwing, you know, almost like, you know, not to, you were talking about electrocuting people earlier when we were talking to you and me, um, just sort of like the inevitability of throwing this big final switch. It's like my life has not been the same since. I honestly can say that, that my life would not be what it is now if I had not done that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting you put it that way because I, I don't know if I could point to a time when that was true for me. But um, what happened to me was I had gotten on a news group and it was a, a fan group for a cartoon show, um, kids cartoons. So it was already kind of a bunch of weird people. But, you know, it's not as big a step to go from liking cartoons to talking to other people who like cartoons. And, you know, my local friends would, would all be like, yeah, great, we'll watch some episodes of the show with you. But they didn't really want to talk about it. So I was all excited to have this these other people to, to talk to. And somebody at one point said, oh, hey, if you like this show, you should get on this thing called Furry Muck. And I was like, well, what the hell is Furry Muck? And one of my other friends was on uh, a MUD at the time, which was a multi-user dungeon, which is much more like role-play oriented with uh, quests. And, you know, you'd go through dungeons and kill monsters and collect treasure and all that whatnot. And... You know, I thought that sounded okay when I was like, well, what's a muck? And I said, well, a muck is just like that, except without the monsters and the treasure and the dungeons, mostly. And so I tried also, it. Also, there's dog people fucking. And, well, I, I think I may be one of the few people who did not find the fandom through porn. Um, I did. Well, uh, but, well, okay. I just keep hearing a lot of people like, I found the fandom when I was doing a search online for pictures of Sonic and I found these bad adult pictures of Sonic or I was looking for pictures of Pokemon and I found pictures of naughty Pokemon and I was going to say I just told you how I found the fandom five minutes ago weren't you listening yeah you said you found it through these weird pictures of art and I assumed it was porn no I, I was looking up stuff about actual real animals and I was finding pictures of two-legged animal people I didn't say they were having sex well, you didn't say they weren't well they were eventually well there you go Okay, then I, I should say I'm not one of the people who found the fandom through image searches, because apparently that's where most people find it, through the art these days. 
Um, but I did not. I found it through Furry Muck and had a couple kind of weird experiences on there and then eventually thought, hey, this is kind of fun and I like doing this and found myself hanging out there and just enjoying the interactions. And eventually I met some people through that who were not insane and, you know, I've sort of been part of the fandom ever since. And we thank you for it. And we thank you all. Um, some of my favorite experiences with the fandom, uh, I wrote about this one a little bit earlier, but this was out at Furry Fiesta in the closing ceremonies, and they had uh, they were announcing the totals for the charity, and they came up about $100 short of what they'd gotten the previous year, and Istanbul said, well, we can't let this stand, so I'm going to pass around this hat, which was actually like a box top because the hat was too small, but... He passed around a box top and said, look, let's just, we need to collect at least $100 to get over last year's total. We can't fall short. And, you know, this is closing ceremonies on Sunday. Everybody's spent all their money at the art auction, at the dealer's room. Um, and people literally were running up to the front of the room to throw money in the box top for this charity. And uh, we went back, uh, I went back and helped them count the money because I'm, apparently good at counting money. And uh, we got uh, $1,000 from the people in that room in like 15, 20 minutes. And that kind of community and willingness to help um, is part of what makes me really proud of this fandom. It's it's just such a, a really cool thing. Yeah, one of the neat things I saw once was uh, I actually saw somebody propose to someone at a furry con and they got, you know, like an artist like in to sort of, you know, facilitate this. I actually don't want to go into details. I don't want to name names because as I found out a few years later, I don't think it worked out between them, which kind oh. of makes the story less nice. Uh, otherwise, I would be a bit less vague about it. But it was very touching to see. And well, I you was, can talk about how they did it. Because I think the how, if it's the thing I'm thinking of, it, the how was really cute. Yeah, what he did... What, uh, one of the guys did is he got this artist to draw a picture of, you know, his, you know, character proposing to his boyfriends and then had him put this picture in the print uh, binder that he had at his table and then, like, got him to go down and start, like, looking through, like, these prints, like, while he was there, like, hiding around the, the corner. And it was actually kind of neat. And I thought it was a clever idea and it was pretty well executed and and it, it was one of those things that's like, wow, like, did I really just see this happen? And then I thought to myself, like, could this ever have happened anywhere other than at a furry convention? Like, where, like, you know, like, other places you go, like, you don't have, like, oh, and this is, like, my character that I made, and I can look at it and tell that this is me. Like, that sort of thing. Like, it's just, like, such like, a unique way of how we express ourselves and identify ourselves, not just to ourselves, but to each other. And that's that's... That's really cool. I, I love that story, too. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we all love about the fandom is that we get to, in some part, be these other characters. I mean, I'm aware that I am not actually a two-legged fox person, but it makes me kind of happy to think of myself having a tail to wag, you know? Yeah. And when, I, and when I'm happy about stuff, I, you know, my mood on LiveJournal, I put waggy, and I think that expresses it really well and it's cute and it's fun 
Um, and you come across as waggy in real life, too. I'll just say that. For anyone who hasn't met Kyle, he's a very waggy guy. Thank you. Um, but I think that that's... Uh, we, were, we were talking about this... I think we were talking about this with uh, Roland Ferret, actually. That I think one of the big things that makes people feel... Uh, or makes pe- people who aren't furries, makes them kind of not able to get the fandom, is that they don't get the whole concept of the anthropomorphic characters and why why would you like that or why would you want that? And to say, you know, it's one thing to say, well, this is a book about a series of mice and they're real mice, but they wear armor and they guard holy relics and, and whatnot, you know, the mice Templar. Um, but it's another thing to say, well, this is... Uh, novel about an interdimensional traveler who happens to be a dog-coyote thing. Well, why is he a dog-coyote thing? And you're just like, well, because he is. And it's just the concept of... Because that's cool. And that's what they don't get. Is the And I'm not saying, oh, they don't get it because they're so mundane, because I hate that word when applied in that usage, but that's what... They, that's the leap that we've all made to get to this kind of weird place. And the mainstream people can kind of see us over here, but they can't really, they don't understand why we made the leap. You know, it's... Yeah, and a lot of times they just see people who dress up in animal costumes. And I still think, I still maintain that furry fandom is a lot like sports fandom. Because... If you're not a fan of sports, you can walk past a sports bar and you'll see people in there screaming at the TV and hollering and cheering on one team, cheering on another team, and you stand there and you think, intellectually, I understand what they're doing, but I don't understand why. I don't get it. And unless you have... And, and it's hard to explain. You know, why are you cheering for this team? Well, they're, they're, they're my team. Why are they your team? Well, I you know I grew up watching them on TV. And like, how does that relate? You know, how do you? Why does that matter to you? And it becomes you sort. It's much more accepted than you know furriness because it has that kind of quality of this is my childhood. I grew up watching the you know San Francisco Forty ers or the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees or whatever you grew up watching, and it's sort of all tied in with childhood and you know parents and. Um, so, but it's, I think it's kind of similar and that's, I think why people feel weird about it the same way if, you know, you were a professional lacrosse fan, you'd probably feel kind of weird about going on about that because, you know, if lacrosse was a sport where dog people had sex. I was going to say, I almost want to say there are probably more people who are fans of dog people sex than there are fans of lacrosse. <laughs> but that would just be too bad at this. Yeah, although I think you might be right. I mean, what was the furry fandom estimate was like between 100,000 and 200,000 worldwide? Oh, if, if lacrosse has half of that, I'd be shocked. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, we've sort of... I, I do I do want to do at some point a sort of a, a show kind of more about the fandom and where we've come from and where we're going because I, you know honestly I've said this before if you go listen to the live FC show when I have my little emotional I love the furry fandom moment um, but I talk about the fact that the fandom is so creative and the art that we produce in this fandom the writing 
the music is starting to catch, writing the music kind of lag behind the art because since it is all imaginary, art is really the most immediate way to experience that imagination. And but I think writing and music are catching up, and just the the you know you just walk through a dealer's room and you look at the different styles of art on display. You look at the number of people really just throwing themselves into what they what they're doing. These imaginary animal people. You look at the people who've sat down and you know me aside, people have sat down and written millions and millions of words about animal people stories. Um, people have drawn comics. And a lot of this stuff is starting to come from within the fandom because we don't have that much outside source material. And I just think that's one of the really cool things that keeps me in this fandom is I, I mean, I love going to the conventions for the people. That's the primary thing. But I also just love walking around the dealer's room, walking around the art show and seeing what people have done. And uh, I'm, it's so amazing that I'm thrilled to death to be a part of it. You know, I feel really bad because earlier when you said, you know, talking about, you know, where has the furry fandom come from and where is it going? My initial thought was, we have come from Skunk Works and Yarf, and we are heading towards drama all over Twitter. <laughs> As a side note, I think Oliver Twitter would be a fun name for a story character. He'd need to be some sort of avian. Yeah. But we should go on. Um, we have a an old message from Pyro that kind of got skipped, and then we read some of his newer messages, but there's a couple little things in here that I think we could talk about. So, sorry, Pyro, for reading these out of order, but go ahead. Out of order, Pyro. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Dear Trixie Fox and Panting Otter Slot. Thanks, thanks, Pyro. <laughs> <laughs> he apologizes. First off, sorry, Hirosaki-san. I kind of had to. Kyle got you too good for me not to. Well, you, you didn't. You didn't have to, Pyro. I assure you. But apology accepted. <laughs> it was pretty awesome that you were such a good sport about it, though. And we all know that you didn't mind all that much looking back on it. Well, I did get free porn out of it, so I guess I can't mind too much. Something about the way the episode was recorded makes me think that there are all sorts of hilarious outtakes that probably make their way onto the second Unsheathed CD if they ever see the light of day. Not this uh, time, we, sadly. Not this time. Although we do have the second Unsheathed uh, DVD on its way, I believe it. Has it been manufactured? It has been manufactured and is on its way to Anthrocon to be sold at the Sofa Wolf table. Yes. Was it $10? $10, $15? $10. Dollars. Sweet. All goes to defray the cost of our equipment and stuff which is far greater still than the number of cds we've sold so we're not into the point where we can buy new equipment yet but anyway secondly should i be apprehensive about the names you've got the other listeners to come up with because for whatever reason i just have this lingering sense of fear that the suggestions are going to be horrible but in a train wreck kind of way well pyro if you're feeling that apprehensive about it you don't have to use any of the names anyone gives you I think he already expressed his horror at uh, P-Burn. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you want, you can apparently take Eli Lapsa's name because he doesn't want to use it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they could work out a trade. But on to other things. You guys know that story I've been working on for you? The one about black rats in the back rooms of wet Super Bowl parties carrying lube without any barbecue sauce? Not starring foosball, though, but that might be interesting in and of itself. 
Yes, it might. I it think it might. might be. I think he should make a cameo in it if, at the very least. At the very least. Anyway, that story. See, I was finished, and I almost posted it. But then I looked at it again, and it seemed, well, broken, I guess. I didn't like it. Something about the story was off, but I wasn't exactly certain what it was. But then I got an idea while I was in the shower, Windows 7 style, and it ended up changing the entire <laughs> dynamic of the story. He was much more and attractive I, than in the flashback. <laughs> yes. I've got ideas for stories in the shower, too. Out of position uh, came from an idea I had in the shower, so. Yes. Not while you were in there with me, Kit. Not while I was in there with you, either. I don't, I don't know that you've ever been in the shower with me. No, I haven't. But I have been in your shower. <laughs> I can, I can like put that on my resume. I was in the out of position thought germination shower. Oh yes. Wow, don't. that sounds really creepy. <laughs> a kid just said, "Can we sell tickets?" And I'm just thinking, you know, if you did put that down, people are going to start like lining up and being like, "Can I just?" And I was we'll have say, to like have keep the water running. It'll be like shower. a it'll be like a baptism or something. They'll be like, "Can I just step under the water for ten seconds and absorb some of the vibes?" And it'll be like, <laughs> "No, go home." No, no, and now we have to bleach our shower. <laughs> Back to Pyro. Yes, I got this idea. It ended up changing the entire dynamic of the story, and now I think I'm going to have to rewrite most of it. I suppose my question is: Has that happened to you guys? With words, Piero Wolf. Like yes, Piero if I remember. Yes. If I remember correctly, I think Unsheath got a mention on a recent Notcast episode. I thought that was pretty cool. If the mention wasn't passing, and but, I think we've been mentioned on Notcast a few times. We I have. Think Fuzz and Saverin have occasionally mentioned us. They are quite nice about it, and this actually this letter is kind of timely in that fashion again because I I believe we were. Um, we were very pleased to be asked to be part of their 100th episode. And uh, congrats again to them on, you know, we'll say that on our podcast now, but that's, I can only hope that we're still as entertaining and energetic when we hit our 100th sometime next year. Knock on wood. Um, so I've had ideas. Um, I generally don't have ideas at the time when I've finished a story, um, although I have had stories where I got most of the way done, and then I said, this thing just, it, it's not coming together for whatever reason. And I suppose if at that point I went back and rewrote it, I could say that, yeah, I had that happen. But uh, usually if a story's not coming together, I kind of just leave it be, and I don't bother going back to it. Yeah. Although I will say kudos on being ready to post a story and then going, nah, this isn't working, and then stopping yourself from posting it just to get the feedback on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, w I was going to mention that, too. That's a terrific um, thing to be able to do. A terrific moment. Sorry, it's kind of late. Um, Wait a minute, this story sucks. <laughs> I don't necessarily mean it sucks, but it's broken. The S is for sucks. <laughs> the S is for sodomy. Um... Not in a pyro story, we hasten to add. Uh, I don't know. How about you? Have you ever kind of gone through a story and then said, ah, oh, this kind of doesn't work. I want to rewrite. I haven't finished a story and then gone, oh, this whole thing's wrong and I have to rewrite the whole thing. But I've gotten like halfway through a story and gone, 
oh, wait, no, that's not how this should go. This is how it should go. And I've pretty much rewritten it from there. But I've never finished a draft and had to scrap the whole thing. Yeah, I kind of... I'll, re- I'll change the beginning a lot. The beginning is one of the things I change the most. I, I was just talking today about how I... I got about a third of the way through the out of position sequel and then I wrote an outline and then I wrote like another outline and then I wrote a third outline and then I wrote the rest of the book without looking at the outlines again. And so I think it's interesting. I might do it some point after it's released, just kind of write up those outlines. And so um, this is where we were and uh, this is what it became. Oh, wait, Lee was supposed to live. Oh, Well, I went back and forth on which one of them was going to have the M-Preg. Um I forget which one I've, I'd settled on in the outline. <laughs> anyway. It, 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 it's, it's Brian, right? <laughs> You're going to spoil the surprise ending. Brian's just the surrogate M-Preg. Uh Anyway. Thank you, Pyro. We are very much looking forward to the story. And uh, congrats on getting to that point with it. Hopefully it's still going well. Godspeed, Pyro. Pier or Pyro Wolf. Uh, so our last email. Dear Sheathers. I like that. Sheathers. Sounds like a fifties band. Over the recent I love the Sheathers. Over the recent episodes this is this is Condrell, by the way. Over the recent episodes, I believe I may have taken on a pod identity that doesn't quite fit the actual fox on the other side of this email. I live in the UK, but am, in fact, an American. (gasps) I moved here years ago because the US does not support gay marriage. My husband is British, and the only way for us to be together was for me to move. I've been living here happily for half a decade now, but my New Hampshire accent has stubbornly refused to be dislocated. I still sound like I'm from just outside Boston. So it's like... That accent's idiotic. (laughs) (laughs) So... So he's like Candrell. By the way, when I blew your mind the other night, I was only giving it about 50%. <laughs> Sorry. I'll try. Wicked, Wicked hot. <laughs> uh, I, I, would, I would try to read the rest of this in the Boston accent if I could, but I, I don't think I could quite make it all the way through, and you would probably mock the hell out of me. Uh, on an unrelated note, there's a difficulty that I've had while reading on such illustrious sites as Sofer and FA. I commonly run across stories that, while imaginative and moderately hot, were just handled badly. Whether by dint of apathy or bad editing, the stories reek of furry fiction, good enough syndrome. The difficulty is that I don't feel comfortable mentioning this to the authors. I know the critique I give can be harsh. While I feel that I have an important viewpoint I can offer the authors, I am desperate not to be that guy who reigns on everybody's perfectly happy furry parade of porn. <laughs> I, wow. I, I'm That's just, a wonderful visual image. I'm really imagining a... See, he put rain in there, and so I'm thinking now, like, a rain of furry porn on a parade of furries, and, like, people reaching up to the sky going... It's raining porn. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, anyway, the crucial point is that my negative opinion wasn't solicited, even if there's a chance it might be welcomed. So, with that in mind, I do have an offer to make. 
I've heard a lot of emails from your listeners stating that they simply can't find anyone to read and critique their stories. I know that personal hell all too well. I know that I crave feedback on my stories, but that feedback is rare and far between. I think that there may be others, like me, who refrain from commenting on my own stories because they're afraid I might take it the wrong way. To those of your listeners that are having difficulty finding a contextual opinion on their work, I'd like to offer to read and comment. I don't mean spell checking and grammar checking, that's easy enough to handle without help. Instead, I'm offering to comment on flow, context, and narrative issues, the vital parts of the story that I find so difficult to acquire input on myself. To your listeners, send me a note on F.A. or So Furry. I'm Candrel, K-A-N-D-R-E-L, in both locations. Thanks, guys. Um, and I would add to that that if you are going to take Candrel up on his generous offer, um, it might behoove you to offer to critique some of his work in return. Um, that was something Kit actually suggested after our last show, that if you're looking for someone to edit your work, one way to go about finding that is to offer to edit someone else's. It's only fair to do him a solid if he's going to do one for you, dude. Um, seriously so so we uh, so we're passing that along that's a, a quite a generous offer and I think actually that whole furry fiction good enough syndrome is something that we talked about with not tube a couple weeks ago which I think he's read this was a fairly recent email I'm sorry I think he'd heard and I think that there's ways that you can present feedback like that I mean, negative feedback, it's just that part of it, I, I completely understand what he means about raining on everybody's perfectly happy furry parade of porn, where, you know, the first 15 comments on something were like, amazing, incredible, beautiful, I came, you know, fap, 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 I wish I was that fox, so on, and then, you know, here you are, and you're going to say, well, you know, while the characters really did engage my interest, and the idea is very imaginative... I found myself getting bored halfway through and skipping to the sex because, you know, nothing much seemed to happen and you didn't really set up a conflict well. And then, you know, the the it's I know when people have posted stuff like that on occasion, you'll see other people leap into the defense of the author, even though the author doesn't really need it and going, oh, stop being so critical and just enjoy it. Or, well, I don't care about that. I really liked it. And, you know, so there's almost a disincentive to post critiques like that. I think I got somebody to take a story off of If Star a long time ago for my doing that. Wow. <laughs> or like a bunch of people were like lavishing praise on this story and everyone's like, oh my god, this is a great story. And I'm like, well, if it's such a great story, I have to read it. And I read it and I was like, that story was really bad. And because everyone's so intent on telling you why it's really good, I feel extra inclined to point out why they're wrong and why your story is actually bad. And that it wasn't there anymore. Aww. Well, I am a horrible creature. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, but I think that the way Condrol's proposing is actually a really good one, which is, you know, if you... And, you know, if any other listeners out there are willing to do critiques or anything like that, send us an email and we will read, you guys, read your names and contact on the air and we will set you up the editing group. Because peer review and peer editing and um, groups like that are really a great way to advance your craft, as long as the 
you know, as long as the people know what they're talking about and it's not just the people that are like, send me all your hot furry stories and I'll tell you how great they are. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would fap again. <laughs> Did fap again. Um, so thank you, Condrell. And guys, send him a note, send him your stories. And if uh, anyone else wants to be a critical editor, uh, that'd be wicked pissa. Yeah, indeed. Um, and uh, I think that I think that'll about do it. Uh, the email address here, which you can email to, is unsheathedpodcast at gmail dot com, or you can find us as unsheathed on fa, which is where we post notes about the show. We are still working on plans for our live show. We do not know when or where it'll be, but we will let you know. I'm looking forward to pyramid like like whoa. I know. So my kids just like, why do you people have ideas? Um, again, you can find our volume one and volume and brand new volume two DVD with me reading the first chapter of the Out of Position sequel on it. It is recorded. It is done. It is on the DVDs. It is being shipped. Uh, it will be at the Sofwolf table at Anthrocon, and I believe there is a fairly limited supply, and. Uh, so forth cannot run back and make more. So get there early and pick up your DVDs if you want one. Volume 2 has a bunch of stories on it as well as episodes, what, 25 through 43? So this episode that you're listening to right now is going to be the first episode of Volume 3. There we go. Which Before is we... exciting. It is. 44. <laughs> The third volume into the future of our podcast. Well, you, you know, you do that New England accent way too well. I'm like a vocal metamorph. <laughs> you are Hirosaki-san. Uh, we saw a comedian the other night who was doing, um, reading the headlines of the paper in just different foreign accents, and he would do whatever accent people yelled out from the audience, and one person yelled, he was like, okay, what should I read this headline in? And someone in the audience yelled out, Hillbilly! <laughs> and he just started cracking up. He's like, all right, from the country of Hillbilly, here we go. <laughs> he read a Hillbilly accent. It was great. Um, anyway, uh, let's see what else. I'm Kyle on FA, Kyle Gold on Live Journal, Kyle Gold on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I am Cam Hirosaki on. All three of those. I'm and, easy to find, but I'm not easy to pin down because I'm squirmy and slippery. You are. You're a slippery Autobot. But uh, we will uh, we'll let you guys go. Thanks, as always, for listening. Thank you for writing in. And uh, thank you, Condrell, for illustrating the generous community spirit of the fandom that we were talking about being so inspirational earlier on in the podcast. You're a superstar. I totally didn't plan that while picking out the letters. Good night. And keep writing.